you again to tune in to the Twisted Youngin Show. And once again, we are the most unorthodox show on the globe. We hope you all are having a good day today, staying out of trouble. You know we are. <laughs> and um, I'm one of your hosts, Myra B. King. And this, and this is Desi Dez. And it's your boy Mojo in the building. We have a special guest with us today, so let the people know who you are. My name is Scrawny, Scrawny Brooks. Scrawny, welcome to the show. Absolutely, sir. Sorry. Out here now, you got some nice tracks. Um, what part? First of wait, all, wait, wait, are, what, are you from Texas? Yes, sir. What part of Texas are you from? I was born and raised in the city of Houston. Okay, so that explains it. Because I was listening to some of your music. I was like, man, this dude beats are a little different. I'm like, I kind of like this. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm like, Houston like rides, man. Yeah. So, um. What what's it like growing up out there? Oh man, I had I had a lot of different experiences. Mm. As far as I mean, as the world can see, I really promote the rodeo side of things because that's kind of like my escape away from being surrounded by what I was surrounded by in the city of Houston. My mom, she doesn't really like the rodeo side my dad he's always been rodeo cowboy so mm. him picking me up for those two days out of the week every other weekend it was like an escape away from everything else that I was surrounded by so I kind of fell in love with it so. what were you surrounded by <laughs> a little bit of everything we lived in the hood <laughs> to tell you the truth we was in the hood so I had everything except for the rodeo atmosphere mostly Gang, you know, gangs and everything. Yeah. Gangs, yeah. drugs, violence, seen a lot of guns, seen a lot of things that I probably shouldn't have seen before I was even 10, 11 years old. How did that have an effect on you? Have you ever, have you, have you ever saw anyone get murdered? I'd rather not say. Okay. We'll have to speak but I have seen a lot of, for example, my sister started, I mean, my mom, she was a hairstylist, so She'd be gone 10, 12, 14 hours. You know, my oldest sister is six years older than me. And I got two other, two other, two more sisters that are twins that are three years older than me. Well, my oldest sister started gang banging five nine Piru before oh, by the by the time she was 12. Oh. And that's who's watching me most of the time. So I was only six, seven, eight. I saw a lot. Damn, was it on 12 year olds? How did, that, how, did, how, did that affect, how did that affect you? I wouldn't say it had a, a positive effect on me, but it was, I do appreciate it now because it helped me see a lot of things and pick up on things where she didn't understand that what she was doing wasn't adding to her life. It was basically taken away from her, but it was something for her to be involved in. You know, everybody wants to be involved in something. Mm -hmm. is, is she okay so, today? She's okay? Oh, yeah. She's good today. Okay. She's good. All right. That's good. That's, that's How hard was it for you to not engage in those activities that were going on in the environment around you? Sheesh. <laughs> Sheesh. Man, a lot of times uh, peer pressure caused me so that I did get involved. Now, I mean, that's my big sister. I don't, I don't care. I, I don't know about y'all, but if y'all have any siblings or not, but I'm the only boy. So 
that's my big sister. I don't care what's going on. I'm riding with her wrong or right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I had to make some decisions because I wasn't going to leave her behind. No, yeah. I wasn't going to just turn my back on her at any point. But at the same time, I was in her ear letting her know certain things and how I was seeing things. And now it's to the point to where they just had what they call the big ride, which is a trail ride group. You know, they ride for all the way from Prairie View all the way to Houston before the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo starts, which is about 45 miles. They do that over a course of seven days. So she's in, involved with that now, pulling a horse and wagon. Wow. Over three, 4,000 people all riding horseback okay. from Prairie View, Texas, all the way to where the Houston Texans play. Oh, you mm -hmm. guys. So what about your father? Uh, you was bringing up your father used to come pick you up. You know, um, so what kind of impact did he have in your life? Man, I appreciate that man so much, so much, so much. Without mm. him and his influence, ain't no telling where I'd be. Mm. Probably dead or in jail right now, tell you the truth. God honest truth. Without him and just him picking me up, that's the reason why I started this brand, as y'all can see. This is a renegade brand. Mm. Uh, Cause me being from the inner city streets of Houston, you know, everybody's like, why you want to be cowboy? Well, like, you should be out here robbing, stealing, playing basketball, rapping. I'm like, no, dude, I'm, I'm a renegade. I love being cowboy. You know, if you look up renegade and Webster, it's someone who rejects lawful or conventional behavior does not stick to what establishment says they're going to be. They are who they want to be. We believe in what we believe in no matter what, that's not going to change for nobody. So with him, it helped me to create, this brand, which also motivates other people because we have this renegade pride, which is punctuality, respect, integrity, discipline, and excellence. And it's like, if you break those words down, for me, this is just stuff that I learned from being around my dad. When you go to these rodeo events, you'll notice everyone's dressed. Everyone has to be on time. So that punctuality thing, you know, you have to be intentional. You have to have full and undivided attention and you have to be intentional about everything you're doing. So it's like being dressed. If I go into the arena and I don't have on long sleeve shirt, cowboy hat, boots, and a belt on, they're going to say I'm out of dress code. So I can't compete. At a young age, just that little thing. Hey, you don't got your cowboy hat. Don't come in this arena. Hey, you're not wearing long jeans. Don't come in this arena. You taking that away from me at the time? It was like, oh, my heart. <laughs> my heart so that punctuality it's like mm, it hit home and then the respect thing it's you're not only respecting other people but you also have to respect yourself and have respect for the livestock if I don't respect my horse my horse isn't going to respect me if I don't respect this bull and know that he can hurt me just as quick as I can hurt him it's probably not going to work out well uh the integrity part and I look at integrity as doing what's right even when nobody's looking. Because if you're at a rodeo and you're down in the buck and shoot, you're getting ready to get on your bull, you're talking to this guy right here, you don't realize that there's 20 kids hanging on the fence listening to everything you're saying. And you hear 10 days later, some kid repeat exactly what you said or this judge, because it's a judge event. It's judge who's marking down your numbers, heard you say something. Oh, now when he's going to judge you and give you your score, He's got his little taste in his mouth about something you've done. So I appreciate my dad, dude. I wouldn't have all of this without 
him getting me involved in the sport of rodeo. How was it like that that first rodeo? What were you going into when you got into it? What were you thinking? Like, what were you thinking about? What did you, what did you I guess, what did you expect to come from when you first got there? Man, I got started at a real early age. My dad rodeoed, my grandpa rodeoed, my great-grandpa with cowboys. Mm -hmm. So I got started at a really, really early age. Mm -hmm. So it was almost second nature for me. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, I was, I guess for that first event I was at, I was actually living with my grandmother. Uh, and my dad would always pick me up and take me to Johnny Nash which is a youth rodeo event mm -hmm. just on the south side of Houston. Um, I guess my thoughts that went through my head was, hey, do your best, be your best, and this is what you love doing. So I was enjoying every, every bit of it. I really wasn't worried about what anybody else was thinking or what they were doing. I just knew what I came to do, and I was focused in on it. I was watching and absorbing everything that I could possibly absorb. What are the toughest struggles in rodeo? Because a lot, of, a lot of people will hear this and they'll think they can just jump into it and just think anybody out the streets can do this. Like, what are some of the toughest struggles getting into rodeo and that you have to deal with? In? And also to add to what he's asking you, did you feel comfortable? Mm. Well, did, you know, did, so, you, did you feel welcomed? I'll tell you this. So growing up, a lot of the rodeos I went to, I very welcome because it was a black rodeo community. Mm. So I didn't see a difference until I got older. I hit 18, uh, 19. I got off to college and started going to the college rodeos and the professional rodeos where it was ran by other ethnicities. You know, being surrounded by the black rodeo community, man, it was family. Mm. And don't get me wrong here in the white rodeo community because I got two people that I call, I got a the Nap Ranch and flip them off bucking bulls, Angie and Flip. I still call them my white parents still to this day. Like I still have, you know, people that are within the community, within the white rodeo world that treat me like their blood. We don't see no color. But at the same time, racism is still, is still alive. How so, did it show itself? And I'll be honest, I, I never even heard of a, a black rodeo community. I didn't even know there was a, a black rodeo community. You know, we don't see stuff like that. Guys like Murtis Dykeman started one outside of Crockett, Texas. He's been to the world finals mm. uh, back in the 80s. Mm. Just imagine what he was dealing with. Guys like Irvin Williams, he's out of Oklahoma. He's been to the world finals, 80s, 90s. Imagine what he was dealing with. Charlie Sampson. One of the only black cowboys, Mike Moore. I mean, there's a ton of us guys. How um, and you ask, how does it show itself? <laughs> it's tricky. It's real tricky. It's it's real tricky. It's, it's imagine you got 50 shot glasses on a table, and each one of these shot glasses are filled with salt or sugar. Just by looking at it, you don't always see it. You can't tell the difference. You don't know the difference until you actually get a taste of it. So even if I try to explain to someone like you guys, hey, how did you ask me, how did you feel it? Uh, how did it show itself? You really can't see it. You can't pick up on it. A lot of people do little things mm. 
Like, so, so say you're at a competition and basically you're trying to get prepared for it and everything like that. And you're getting your equipment and maybe your equipment comes and you're missing a couple items that most people don't usually miss. Like this is a standard piece of equipment that everybody must have. And for some reason you're missing it. And yet you're the only one that's missing it, you know, mm-hmm. and nobody can't find it. Or is it, yeah, it can't nobody, didn't nobody see what happened, you know? Yeah, yeah, like, nobody saw what stuff happened. like that. Or like I said, it's a judge event. Yeah, like a score that they, even though you felt you rolled the, a bull just as well as everybody else, if not yeah. better, they mm-hmm. give you a lower score purposely. Oh, yeah. You feel. For sure. For but sure. That, but that gripe will be like, you know, it would be consistent amongst your peers because they'd be like, man, hey, it's some events I win, sometimes I lose. You think it's race, races just because, you know, you held on for those amount of seconds and, you know. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, buddy, really, you, that's see you, see ride, you see your bull ride, you break down the video on short right in front of them. They're like, hmm. they just go like that sometimes. It's like, yeah. That's a why it's time, not cut and dry. With me than you. <laughs> yeah, that's why you say it's not cut and dry. You really can't tell unless you end the position because it can be little small, uh, sudden things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Did they- For example, I had uh, a rodeo cowboy that I literally looked up to and I was really close to and I ended up talking to a young girl out of the town where he's in. He's talked to her mom. I was driving her truck one day and her truck had an issue. I was like, oh man, well, me being the man that I am, okay. Hey, look, let's just get this truck towed back, whatever's uh whatever the issue is. I mean, I'll I'll help you get it fixed. I was driving. I'll take responsibility for I didn't wreck it or anything. Something went wrong with the engine. Well, when I did that, I called, and I didn't know that he was even with the person that I called. Mm. Uh, He ended up sending – he used to talk to this girl's mama. Well, Mm. he ended up sending this girl's mama a text message, and she ended up taking a screenshot and sending it to me saying, hey, I think you should know this. I was like, what are you you talking about? Mm. Well, that text message said, hey – I heard your daughter's new little boyfriend uh, ruined her truck. I hate for her to get knocked up by some little nigger. Mm. And that was your idol, right? You know, it's basically an idol. Man, I didn't think he would ever say nothing like that. It's about. Yeah. I didn't think that would ever even come out of his mouth. Yeah, man. You got a name behind closed doors. Man. Be stuff said. Did they think and that's why one of my songs I said it's a shame how the game changed people out here counterfeit, smiling in your face, acting like they family, but when they with their other friends, they bring a different energy. Go on and keep that energy. It's only motivating me. So, yeah. All right. Oh yeah. Did they did they think you were uh capable? Cause uh <clears throat> like I, okay, so coming from you know the black community of rodeo, now you're you're going to an event where you know. Uh, the, the skin color is a little different. Do you think they think you're capable of riding a rodeo? You know, sometimes people may look down on you until they actually see your skill or your your sportsmanship or however that community may go. Did you really have to uh, perform well to to be to start getting respect or getting accepted? Oh yeah, oh yeah, and that was the beauty in it. A lot of times they try and do things to where they thought it would be really difficult for me. And I just smile, laugh. <laughs> All right, let me show y'all. And then I show up and I'd end up winning, winning first, oh, yeah. conquering that bull, winning that bullfight. And I'm like, oh, 
So instead of me lashing out and getting mad about them trying to do something like that, I just go perform. And eventually it ended up to where, oh man, he's he's done it. He's doing it again. Okay, let's give him a little bit harder task. Okay, he done that too. Okay, he's doing that again. Oh, he got that done. Before, before I knew it, them same guys who had that little sour taste in their mouth mm. were looking up to me. Mm. Now, asking about, I'm, I want to know about bullfighting specifically. What is the hardest part about it? Because I see, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's like pretty much you guys got to roll with the sway, you know, bulls going mm-hmm. one way, you go the other way and everything like that. Is it basically hard? Is the hardest part trying to control the bull or is the hardest part trying to keep yourself in control of moving with the patterns of the bull? The hardest part about bullfighting, so there's two types of bullfighting. You got protection, where I'm actually protecting the cowboy, mm-hmm. and then you have freestyle bullfights, which is basically like the matadors in Spain, except we don't have a cape and we don't kill our bull. We just get as close as we can, do as many tricks as we can without getting hit. The hardest part about both styles of bullfighting is mentally staying grounded. It's about having peace under pressure. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah these bulls, they're coming to they're coming to kill you. Mm. They're fighting for their life. If I panic and I freak out and I start to run, now I'm beeline. He's got me right where, I, where he wants me. If I just cool, take a deep breath, and I lead him exactly where I want to go and just step around when he gets there, it's like being a fighter. If we're sitting here fighting and I'm freaking out trying to throw all these punches back, I'm probably not going to dodge any of your punches because I'm worried about everything that's going on. I'm freaking out. Mm. But if I take a deep breath, like Muhammad, mm, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. (laughs) (laughs) Same with that bull. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He gets this close. Okay, I know where he's at. Uh, It's not like they have arms where they can reach out and grab you once Mm -hmm. they get close enough you make your move you step around them and you literally have you ever seen a dog chase his tail yeah mm-hmm. and he never gets it so i lead that bull's head straight to me once i step around his head i start to chase his tail when he switches directions i switch too there you go man you are fierce to be fighting a bull like have you ever you ever been injured? Have a bull ever charged you? You ever broke any bones or anything? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Comes with the territory. You can't go. Like I said, same as is being a boxer or a fighter or anything else. You can't expect to jump in a line of fire or put your hand in the oven and not expect to get burnt. <laughs> mm. It comes with it. How did you how did your fear how did your fear decrease uh with I just like bulls are big and scary man and you know they could they could kill you you know people yeah. have had a lot of accidents with people bulls died. and and you you sound so comfortable so like this is I I can I feel like that this cool. is a lifestyle for you you know it's like a I'm not comparing the same two but like some how someone may have a horse or a dog or a pet like it's like that's how you speak freely of it like how did how how did you get that comfortable to to get to that level? You know, as one simple answer, the good Lord. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm I want. a firm believer in God. If uh, my mom said all the time growing up, faith will drown out fear. Yes, sir. And God already gave it, gave us the power to conquer the beast. Mm. Yes, sir. Mm. 
So it's like I, I don't have to worry about all the things that worry comes from the devil. So me mm. thinking about getting hurt when I go into battle, I'm probably gonna get hurt. Your mm. brain's like a your brain's like a garden, right? You got positive thoughts, you got negative thoughts. The thoughts you water grow, the ones you don't die. Mm. What a metaphor for life. Every day you going out here, you riding the beast. You can conquer if you have faith. You can succeed if you have faith. Exactly. So you're on an actual beast. We're attacking life. Of course, you're attacking life as well, but that's a great metaphor for life. You know, that's how we got to live our life fearless. Because to mm -hmm. be fearful is to be in, in control, uh, to have the beast, to have the devil in control of you. To be fearful. I even break it down to, to my younger kids. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Right, go ahead. Uh, I even break it down to my younger kids, and I, they're all like, Oh man, I have to be fearful. I'm have to be. I'm like, no, you don't have to be fearful. You have to be faithful. Mm. Yes, sir. You always have to be Amen. faithful. You focus on what your heart desires. God already promised you He's going to give you what your heart desires. But faith without work is dead. So, it's a whole focusing on being fearful. You you already got in your mind. Oh, fear. If you focus on being fearful. You let other people call you fearful. Mm. And you let them know that you're faithful. Mm. Yeah. Saved I mean, by grace yeah. through faith. Yeah. Give yes, God out of works, lest any man yes, should. Absolutely, man. To have it and not use it is pointless anyway. So hey. no point. And to be honest with you, to have faith and not use it, you'll never know if you really have it until you have to use it. As they say, faith is not real until you have to test it. So once it's tested yeah. and it's been applied, you know if you have it or not, or would you have faith in for real? Um, oh, yeah. They're betting money at these events. Yeah. Well, you might have a little side bet here and there, but most of the time when you go to these events, mm -hmm. every bull rider will pay an entry fee. So yeah. say there's. Yeah, like side events. No, somebody somebody doing something, like some paper getting. Yeah, you know, they have, they have that on the side. But as far as the competition goes, yeah. each bull rider will pay an entry fee. Say there's 30 guys. These 30 guys will play a $100 entry fee, right? That that $100 all goes into a pot. So 30 yeah. guys times 100, how much is that? 30, uh, 3,000. 3,000. Now, a sponsor may come in and say, hey, we're going to add another 3,000 to this pot, 10,000 to this pot. Right. You know, all right, so, so basically say they do 3,000. So you have $3,000 added money. You have a hundred dollars entry fee, so now there's six thousand dollars in the pot. If you that six thousand will be broken up first, second, third, fourth, fifth, depending on how many that event wants to pay. Normally, sixty percent, forty, thirty, ten, if they're paying for. And you won a lot of events, man. I won a lot of events. Oh, so if I'm sitting in the stand, I, I can do a side, something on the side and I get my, I can win a little money if I put my money on you. Is that what you're telling me? Man, we do, we, but in the, in the black radio community, I don't really see this in the white radio community. But okay. We, we always play this little game. Say we go to a calf roping or uh bull riding, or we play this little game called over or under. Mm -hmm. Over or under is basically, they might be, 10 of us guys sitting on the fence watching what's going on. We're playing over and under. We have a, a dollar. We're putting up a dollar, $10, depending on who we're dealing with. You know, everybody's money is different. Uh, say we had a calf roper just went and he was 7.9 seconds. So we're playing over or under. 
Uh, hey, over or under, who won't take the bet? He's going to be, oh, uh, that last guy was 7.9. I say he's going to be 8.4 seconds, over or under. This guy goes out there, he's 8.5. If I hit it on the head, everybody has to pay me. Mm. Everyone who's over, they get paid. If he's 8.5, the winner, obviously, that's the over guy. If he's under, the under guy's got to pay. If he, if he's under that, then the under guy, it's the other way around, vice versa. Yeah. I mean, you have little side bets like that, or I normally have, like, I mess around with bull riders all the time. I'm like, hey, y'all want to have a $20 spur contest? And that's outside of what the judges are marking the scores. We're seeing who can spur their bull the best. Mm. So all the bull riders that are in the event or – the five or 10 guys that I'm talking to will, yeah, $20. Everybody, everybody put $20 up to have the spur contest. Mm. Five guys, and oh, I spurred my bull the best out of all y'all. Y'all didn't even get to spur y'all's bull. Give me my money. <laughs> so, yeah, you have a little side bets all the time. Um, yeah. Earlier today, you said that, uh, you know, you can be mentioned, uh, you know, you or call you a cowboy. You was getting ready to mm-hmm. give a, a history of that. What speak to us about the history of a cowboy? You don't have to tap, you know, give us a, you know, like, but my favorite part, man, history, when you go to the schools nowadays and they talk about the black community and slaves, man, y'all was picking cotton. Well, you think that was the only agriculture we were producing? Right. We were cultivating we were in charge of right sugar cane no we were growing corn we were yeah. wheat barley everything right? farmers this all you were you were farmers that didn't get paid exactly exactly oh, so <laughs> when people come to me and they say man i don't really see i don't even heard of no black cowboy well, we ain't been put on tv because it's not marketable for them mm-hmm. if they put a black guy and say oh yeah buy that wrangler shirt mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, from what was going on in Jim Crow laws, ain't nobody finna buy that. They can't make no money. So I'm not, you know, making an excuse for them, but the fact of the matter, that's kind of how it was. Uh, so I always tell people and let them know that the word cowboy, do y'all know where that came from? No. No, but I know most of the, back, uh, like back then, the, the, some of the oldest cowboys were black people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, boy. Go down there and catch that cow. Mm-hmm. Hey, boy, go down there and catch that cow. Mm-hmm. We did our job so good with such great intention. They said, oh, man, I, I guess I, I'll be a cowboy. I'm a cowboy, too. I'm leading y'all and making y'all go work these cows. I'm a cowboy, too. Mm. So that's where the word cowboy really came from. Right. How... um. What are the hardships of trying to spread the message of, you know, obviously we were cowboys and that not only were we, we still have them in this world today and we still have people mm-hmm. pushing in that community. How are the, um, what are the hardships or the struggles of trying to get that message out to the rest of the black community so that we can engage more into it and shed more light on those who's in it and probably add more to it? Because I'm pretty sure finding people, who will, no. finding people the biggest issue is finding people who will appreciate what you're trying to tell them. Mm. That's the hardest part is finding people who actually appreciate. And that's on both sides in the white community and the black community. 
because all these black kids they see what NBA young boy and everything else on TV but they don't realize that this little cowboy stuff if you are faithful with few you can be magnificent with many if you can raise livestock if you can learn to cultivate and manage the land if you can learn to produce food you have everything you need food water and shelter but they all see the dollar bill and the dollar bill the value of a dollar to me is only the faith that we have in it right it's just a piece of paper right you know like no tangible trade assets and nothing like that do you know exactly do you know how to farm or uh grow food like you said, oh yeah, anything, maintain oh, yeah. land. Oh, how, yeah. how did you learn that? Was it from your father, or I had to get out here and how do they say, uh, go be with the pilgrims? Mm-hmm. Had to get out here and just go do it. Like if yeah. it wasn't for me, just jumping out and running, basically running away from what my mom was trying to keep me away from. Like oh nope, you ain't doing all that. Like, no, I'm all, because I ended up in high school, I ended up not being able to rodeo all the way, ninth grade, all the way to my 12th grade year. When I got to college, we pulled up to the college. I signed a full ride wrestling scholarship because I wrestled and I played football. I signed on a full ride wrestling scholarship and she looked across and she saw the rodeo arena. She said, this wrestling stuff ain't gonna last long. Well, she wasn't wrong. I saw a buddy that I went to youth rodeos with. He said, you want to go to rodeo practice with me? I said, oh, yeah. Well, that coach, I was in wrestling clothes. That coach said, saw me pulling people's bull ropes, saw me helping, swinging gates, loading cattle, moving them around naturally without any effort, basically just second nature. He said, hey, you want to get on a couple? I got on two bulls that day. I hadn't been on, hadn't done anything for four years. I would sneak off. I'm not going to say four years. I hadn't done anything consistently for that four years, but I would sneak off and go enter bull riding without my mom knowing. Cause if she found out, I was probably going to be dead. <laughs> You're going to be, uh, I ended up riding them two bulls that day. And he said, Hey, you want a full ride wrestling scholarship? And I took a leap of faith said, Oh yeah. I mean, you want a full ride rodeo scholarship? And I took a leap of faith. Oh yeah. Took that rodeo scholarship, signed off on it. And I called my mom said, Hey, I'm not wrestling no more. <laughs> Yeah, she's pretty she was pretty mad at me about that. But I ended up finding uh just north of me in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. You had an old, old school cowboy. His name's about he goes by David Bailey. Uh if you look up the PBR right now, just south of him in Fort Gibson in Tahlequah, basically those two towns are touching. I had Ryan Dirt Eater, Zane Cook, and Thad Newell. Mm. Going east, I had another world champion, LJ Jenkins, Blake Rowan, and Monster Bull Company in Tulsa. So those were basically my three spots of running. Hey, I'm going to go get on Bulls with y'all because I'm trying to be the best I can possibly be at this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So right. I took everything that I learned in the, and you know, everything happens for a reason. I took everything, the hardships of, the dedication it took for me being a wrestler. I don't know if y'all know about wrestling, but you have to maintain weight. You have to keep a healthy mindset and you have to have respect for everybody. Like wrestling, you shake hands before and after your match. So it's like all those little things that I learned from wrestling and how to stay on top. I mean, I made state all four years of high school wrestling. 
place three out of four years. So all those little things I used and transferred it to the sport of bull riding and basically worked so hard at bull riding until I couldn't work no more. Wow. Um, and you have a, a beautiful story just to see you coming, coming out of a background to what, you know, sad to save what, you know, most of us all experience, you know, um, crime, poverty, being exposed to a lot of things at a early age. And you mentioned your father had an impact on your life, which, which helped enhance change your, your mindset, you know, got you influenced by something that you take pride in today, you know, and um, just being passionate about that. Well, for starters, uh, believing in Jesus, you know what I mean? And you, you said something great when I asked you, I said, you know, you weren't fearful of the bull. You said, no, because I have faith. You know what I mean? And uh, that's, that, that's very powerful words because you have to, uh, it's, it's easy just to say it, but you really have to uh, act on that and you have to believe that, you know what I mean? You have to put the works in for that. You know, it's weight that comes behind that. And uh, man- Especially because you're getting on the bull. Yeah. I I give that, I give that little bit to my mom. She had us in church seven days a week. Really? We gonna go to church on Sunday. Monday, we going to a praise team rehearsal. Uh, Wednesday, we going to choir rehearsal. Then we got drill team practice. Then we got Bible study. Then we got. <laughs> mm-hmm. hey, so how, how did she become a? Wasn't it a, a blood? A pyro? A pyro? No, that's my little sister. That was that's yeah, my. That's what I'm sister. saying. Like, how did she become a? You know, she was in church seven days a week. Like what? She had a man. We got a we got a real vivid story, man. Okay. We got a real vivid story because my mom she wasn't always. Hmm on the straight and narrow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now she's a minister, she's a pastor, but her younger days, you know, she did have to go through some things and learn different things. She's seen a lot of different things. And I still hear it till this day, I hear uh, her telling me stories about my grandpa pulling a gun and shooting my grandma right in front of me. Oh man. So it's like, you know, my mom, found God and when she found him she still it's not like she instantly oh I'm holier than thou no she had to work faith without work is dead now she is where she is now she's a minister now she's running a prayer line every morning 5 30 4 30 5 30 waking up every morning now there's 65 70 80 people on that prayer line all asking for prayer just off of my mom picking up the phone Mm. Wow. Amen to that, man. Amen to that. Yeah, Con- congratulations absolutely. to you and your family. And wow, what a powerful story, not only from you, but from, from your mom as well. You know what I mean? Um, and for your father. for Yeah, you know, your father, yeah, you know, showing yeah. that and uh, you for having the mindset as well, just to uh, endure, man. Um, that lets you know we need fathers and mothers to stay in the house. Yeah. You know, yeah. You need both of them, not just one. And that was a, that was a tough part too, because my mom and dad separated mm-hmm. when I was at one. least he came and you know came to pick yeah. you up. So therefore and that's what I appreciate, man. It's yeah. like yeah, 
the fe- the race isn't won by the swift or the strong. It's won by the ones who endure. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. with my mom doing her part, making sure she instilled the word of God in me. With my dad, him doing his part, and instilling the sport of rodeo. Him showing me the things he learned. Yeah, everything wasn't all bread and butter and mm-hmm. this perfect little lifestyle that most people get yeah we i still had to deal with and i I still have problems and feel like oh man dude you were absent a little bit more like he missed my high school graduation i still kind of hold that over his head but at the same time i have to forgive him because it's more so affecting me he's not losing no sleep over it Mm-hmm. It's more so affected me than anything. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't always, everything isn't all bread and butter. It ain't all smooth, you know, but nobody climbs a smooth mountain. Right. That's true. Yeah. That is true. Thank nobody so nobody much, climbs a smooth mountain, man. And uh, before we get out of here, if you have any, I would want, I don't know about them, but I would want to come to a bull riding show. So if you have any shows or any in, in the future coming up, Keep us posted, man. And if we can make it, you know, we'd love to come out and support. You know, I've never been. It sounds pretty interesting. Um, I will, you know, would love to embrace the culture. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Where are you guys located? In the Midwest. Midwest. Uh, Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Chicago? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Okay. So next event I have that comes up in. I really hardly ever go to the Midwest area, mm-hmm. but I will have events in like North Carolina, South Carolina. Oh, okay. Mm. And we'll travel. Will, yeah. yeah, we'll travel. I will definitely let you guys We know. have a few in Oklahoma as well, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, oh, yeah. we'll get you out there too. Yeah, yeah. I tell you what, y'all come to Oak Muggy. This rodeo has been going on for 80 years now. Mm. Oak Muggy. When is it? Uh, it'll be in the summer. It'll be in okay. August or September. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah, well, definitely. Yeah, we can plan that one. Got to keep us posted on that, man. We come out, we'll bring the camera out. You know, we'll, Absolutely. you know. They yeah. shot the movie Bull there two, three years ago. If y'all look it up on, I think it was on Netflix for a little while, but the movie mm-hmm. Bull, a lot of my rodeo families right there in it. A lot of the bullfighters, people riding, basically everyone in the movie I know personally. Okay. 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 Hey, man, we appreciate your time, man. Awesome Absolutely. story, man. And may the Lord continue to bless yes, you sir. and your family day, and to be with you, man. We'll all appreciate it. And we'll keep we're all right, guys. Love you guys. Be safe. Man, love you. Likewise, love you man. all too, man. You got any new music coming out before we get out of here? And I'm working on getting the album dropped, actually. There we go. But I was keeping it a secret. Okay. Until they drop it. <laughs> at you, fam. We appreciate you, man. Have a beautiful, blessed day, man. Yes, sir. See you guys. All right. All right.